Good morning. How are you doing this morning? It is. It's great to be with you today. And um, I just want to say about Jonathan, our uh, family life minister, his announcement, Jonathan Cavallari, about the kids' ministry. You know, we thought we had enough, but then good things happened. There are over 300 kids registered for our not-so-bummer summer. Amen? Amen. So we need a little bit more. We're going to reach some families, some children. We're excited about it. We really are. I'm talking about change today as we look into Ephesians chapter 4, the second part of Ephesians 4. And, well, there was a picture of change right there on the screen. You see, you know, these young people, they grow up, and before you know it, they're graduating. So change takes place. The first part of Ephesians, chapters 1, 2, 3, it's really looking at God looks at Christ in us. He looks where we are in Christ, our position in Christ. The first three chapters, basically doctrine. And then the next three chapters is living it out, practical. How do we do this? And surely, how does the world see Christ in us? And so, oh, I just want to talk a little bit about that change Jesus makes in us. And I don't have to tell you, we're living in an era of tremendous change. Things are changing. Just look at technology, from the tap typewriter to the laptop. How many remember typewriters? Yeah, when I was in school, we took typewriter class to learn to type on the typewriter, from telephones to iPhones. And they tell us there's more computer power in this iPhone than the giant computers that sent man to the moon in 1969. Can you believe that? Some of you don't believe we went to the moon. I know that. I had that conversation with people from time to time. Facebook had zero users 21 years ago. Now there are 2.85 billion users. Wikipedia had no articles 21 years ago, but today there are 6 million plus articles and growing. Active blogs have grown from 2,000 to 25 million active blogs. iTunes downloads from zero to 293 billion, and text messages from 400,000 to 6 billion per day. I said all that to say, God is all about change. And, and I say this once in a while because I, I totally agree with this statement. And, and it's kind of hard to find out who said it. When I thought I knew this man said it, well, they said somebody else said it. But I'm just going to say, you've heard it. I've said it a lot of times. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us this way. His will, his desire, his plan is that we become like his son, Jesus Christ. Our God is all about change. It's change. And I believe that's one reason we're here this morning. I believe he has the best life possible for you, bigger than you could ever imagine. Does anybody believe that here this morning? Amen? Amen. Let's stand together if you would. And the big idea is this. Change is possible. All things are possible if you believe. How many recognize that um, you might need some changes in your life? I'm talking to everybody. You know the Lord, you don't know the Lord. You need some changes in your life. So let's go to God's Word today and believe He's just going to speak to us this morning. Really is good to be here, isn't it? Amen. Great to be here this morning. 
This is my Bible. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. When faith, they change the words around on me. You can't do that to me. You're messing with me here. You can't change. Let's back up. We're going to start over. Thank you so much. This is my Bible. This is the Word of God. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. When I read and hear the word, faith comes to my spirit. I boldly confess my mind is alert. I indestructible, ever-living seed of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So how do we invite God's change into our life? How do we do that? First of all, we look at this. Because of Jesus, we can live a new life. We have a new life because of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul, he shows this, that now we live as children of the light. As we go into this section of Ephesians 4, verse 17, it's talking about our conduct that is inappropriate and appropriate for Christ's followers. It tells us that we had an old life and now we have a new life. So let's read this right here, starting with verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened. Well, he says, I say this to the Lord, let me back up, in the authority of the Lord. I say this with God's authority. In the futility of their mind, in their confusion, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus. And then we put that with another of Paul's writings, which we know very well, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He says we have an old life and we have a new life. And then he gives us about five traits of our old life before Christ. What he's talking about is our sinful nature, our fleshly nature, and they're summed up in this one word, futility. Futility. And he says, you know, really that word means foolishness, emptiness, purposelessness, alienated from God even in ignorance of God, or having a hardened heart, or maybe you're at a place where you just cease to absolutely care. That was our old life, but Jesus. Amen? How many had that take place? But Jesus. Aren't you thankful for Jesus this morning? But Jesus. Through Jesus, that old life is gone, the new life has now begun. We have a new nature. We go from God's creation to the children of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of the Lord. You're not just a creation of God. You're in the family of God with family rights and family privileges. And your father is God himself. Amen. Amen. Now in this new life, it says, 
that we've had a new birth. That's how we enter in the new life. And, and Nicodemus, a religious man, maybe the religious of all the religious, one of the teachers of the law, the greatest teacher, came to Jesus and he was searching, he was hungry. And it tells us in John chapter 3 that he was not content or satisfied, had all the knowledge of God and all the rules of God and all the ways, and yet there was something lacking in his life. He personally wanted to know God and he wanted to know how does this happen. And Jesus said, unless you are born again. He said, you've had a physical birth and everyone that has had a physical birth, in order to really know God, needs to have a spiritual birth. And this is where we talk about being born from above heaven or born again. And now we're in the family of God and the process of change is underway. We should be changing. Change. When you're born, you change. We saw these young people this morning. They were young and they've begun to grow up and they're still young, but they're changing. We're in the process of physical change. How much more should there be a process of spiritual change taking place? And in Christ, I want you to hear this. We're brand new people. Tell your neighbor you're brand new. Not reformed. We are not rehabilitated. We're not re-educated. We are recreated in Christ Jesus. We're not turning over a new leaf. We are beginning a new life under new lordship, new ownership, and His name is Jesus Christ. So change takes place, and we are different. We become different in our mind. That's what he says here. Right thinking before right living. We're new in our mind. He tells us in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks, so is he. Paul said in Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed. And what he's talking about there is where we get our word scheme or schematic. There is a pattern of this world that says you do not have to fit into that pattern. God has a different life for you. As you think, we think correctly before living correctly. We think differently as a believer because right now, because of Jesus Christ, we have real purpose in this life. It's purposeful thinking. We don't have a darkened understanding. We have the light of Christ now in our life. We're different in our spirit. We're not separated from God any longer. We're now His child. We can listen to Him. We know His voice. We can talk with Him, communicate with Him. He's our Heavenly Father. We're no longer in ignorance. We have understanding now. I can know God. Isn't that something? I can hear from God. I expect He hears me. I expect when I pray, answers are going to come. I expect God can show me this is the way. This is the way I need to walk in this way. We're different in our hearts. We can have a hard heart, a closed heart to God, or a heart now that's open to God. We can receive the things of God. We're different in our souls. What that means here is that we're different in the way we commit. Without Christ, we commit ourselves to, he says, sensuality and impurity, all these other desires, because that's all we know. That's what we think is going to bring contentment and happiness. And the thing is, Christians, we need to remember this as Christ followers. We can't expect Christian behavior out of non-Christians. Somebody, do you hear that today? But we should be able to expect different Christ-like behavior by those who call themselves Christians. Amen? 
Amen. That's what he's talking about here. This is the way we were because this is all we knew. This is what we thought brought us contentment and happiness. It's really a continual lust for more. It's where you think I have to have more and more and more. Just fill that hole in my life. A little bit more. Fill that hole in my life. A little bit more is going to fill that hole in my life. But now, because of Jesus Christ, I have new desires. I can have real contentment. I can now begin to have a hunger and thirst for righteousness as I communicate with my Heavenly Father. I open His Word and I hear His Word. And just like we make this statement before the preaching of the Word, I pray before I read the Word, Lord, open my heart, open my understanding. I want to be receptive to what you have. Bring clarity to me. Clarity to me. And He does that. He brings a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. As I said, that change begins when we know Christ. Because the truth is what John said in chapter 8, 32, for you shall know the truth. Jesus is truth. He's going to set you free. We're going to be free. Amen? We're free today. We're free today. I'm free to live a new life. I'm free to live the life that God has planned for me. I'm free to live a life with no limits and all kind of possibilities. I believe my God is changing me. Amen? We're free. We're free. Here's the truth. I'm a new person with a new mind and I have a new life. That's what you need to get a hold of this morning. And then we cooperate with God's process of growth. And it's a process. It's a journey. God has a part, and I have a part. God has the power, and we cooperate with His power. How many have tried to change on your own before? Yeah. Man, that, that 15 minutes was a great 15 minutes. I was successful. I really did well for those 15 minutes, you know? <laughs> Yeah, changing on your own is difficult and challenging, and it really doesn't work. It doesn't work. You see, we look at this today, and we look at verse 22 in 24 through 24. He says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And, and he's describing this process of change that we're in right now. And you see, God wants us to change. He wants to take your discontent and He wants to change it to joy this morning. He wants to take your uh, insecurity and change it to peace. He wants to take your bitterness and change it to goodness. He wants to take our lust and change it to genuine love. God is in the change business. God wants to take our anger and rage and change it to gentleness today. He wants to take that which is out of control and change it to self-control. Our God wants to, and He's able to, transform our character this morning. I believe that's what's happening here right now. Amen? We're changing right now. So let's make it simple. Three-step process where we have our part and God has His part. And this is what He said right here in the Scripture. That we put off the old. Take off the old clothes. That's the picture He wants us to see. Put off the old. Take off the old clothes. And don't tell my wife. I'm going to talk about her right now. Okay? She's with the kids' ministry. And actually, I read... 
about a woman that did this the other day. And I said, wow, that sounds a lot like my wife, Teresa. She does kind of the same thing. And what I'm talking about is this. Every once in a while, every, I'm not sure how long, but every once in a while, it comes to that point, Teresa will go through her closet and it will be a clean-out phase. It's a clean-out phase. It's a very involved process in which she tries on the clothes and, and she makes a decision, this is what I'm going to keep and this is what I'm going to give away. These are going to be a blessing. I'm going to keep these, I'm going to give these away. And as I said, it's involved, it's deliberate. And, and when she was doing that, I, I thought of one time, maybe think of us as people. Our attitudes, our thought process, our behavior, our actions that we have. Attitudes of the heart. And, and maybe behavior that no longer fit who we are. And maybe these attitudes of mind fit, fit, uh, mindsets fit who we were at one time. But now since Jesus has done a work in our life and is doing a work in our life, some of these don't fit who we are anymore. Maybe some of these things should have never been in our life in the first place. But, but eventually, God calls us to unload those old ways that are no longer fitting to who we are in Christ so we can be fully free. So let's be honest. And I look at this, many, I've seen too many people come, you know, God's working, God's moving, God's changing. They've come to close to really, uh, you know, putting some things off and making a turnaround and a change in their life. Get so close, but because of fear or, or, or maybe there's too much they think is involved, the cost is too high, they just can't quite let some things go, they can't quite put it off, and they just stop the process, and they hang on to these things in their life, and they don't experience the change God has for them. What that happens is the devil strikes us, and he attacks, they're designed to present, prevent us from achieving living in freedom that Christ has for us every day. And I see that, but then I see also as I'm saying, I'm looking around here, and I see some people that, man, God's been setting you free, and you're changing. Man, I see people from, from our worship teams growing to two campuses. I see people on these worship teams that two years ago wouldn't even be in the house of God. Praise God. Amen? Change is happening. Come on, I see some of you sitting here, man. When we started 17 years ago, you weren't here. You weren't in church on a Sunday morning. Praise God. Change is happening. But others have come so close. But no, 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 not yet. The devil strikes. His attacks prevent us from living in freedom. So the first step to permanent change is this. And here's where I want to get practical. You can't do it right now, but go home and do this. I'm going to give you a homework assignment. Here it is. Don't let that word discourage you. Homework assignment. That, that, I know that bothers some people. You have a project. Okay, you have a project. The first step to permanent change is identifying what needs to go. Take a personal inventory. Look at your life. What needs to go? Make a list. Write it down. If you don't, you probably won't change. Make that list. Take a personal inventory. What needs to go? Write it down. And then Paul says here in Colossians 3.8, put it off. He says, put it off. 
In the Greek, it literally means lay it down and push it far away from you, out of reach, where you can't pick it up and put it back on again. Push it away, out of reach, far away, so you can't pick it up and put it back on again. Put it off. Put it off. You know, we are to get rid of all the things, all the attitudes, actions, behaviors that are no longer compatible with a new person that we are in Jesus Christ that negatively affect our walk of faith. Then he says we are renewed. This is God's part. He empowers us and He strengthens us. We take a step toward God. He's right there and He gives me the power and the ability to do the tough stuff that I can't do on my own. Amen? He gives me the power to do that. And then we put on the new man. See, He transforms us. Then we put on the new man a new set of clothes. Some of you women should be getting excited about this. I just got to say that. That was a... A statement you can't make in 2021. I know that. All of us should be getting excited about that. Hey, okay? Some of you know what I'm talking about. New things that are compatible with our new life. This, he says, holy, consecrated life. So, after Teresa cleans out her closet and gives away those clothes, what do you think we do? We go shopping. I get coffee, I get lunch, it's a good thing. I may get some new clothes. Hey, I, I'm man enough to admit it, I like going shopping. I do. Get coffee, get lunch, it's a good thing. You know, but what do we do? And you say, well, why? You just got rid of all those old clothes. And here it is. Here it is. Here's the answer. It's about having clothes that fit who I am now, not those old clothes that reflect who I am not anymore. Man, there's a spiritual lesson right there. Amen? That's not who I am anymore. We take off. We put on. So what do our spiritual clothes look like? Paul also says that in another of his writings to Colossians, to the church there in chapter 3. We're to put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Talk about the fruit of the Spirit here. Patience. How many ever struggled with that thing? Yeah, don't pray for patience. Don't do that. God just puts you in situations where you have to exercise patience and they're going to grow. And sometimes I thought I was doing good with that until years ago when I really looked at the bigger meaning of that word patience in God's Word. That means patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes and do it with a good attitude. See there? Aha! It got me right there. Not just to endure and go through it and put up with it, but you have to do it with a good attitude. Well, I failed that one a few times right there. But here's, He empowers us to do that. Forgive each other. Love each other. And let God's peace control you. And it says, and live life thankfully. Thanking God. So, never try to put on the new before you take off the old. And what's he talking about? He's talking about repentance. Say that with me. Repentance. Repentance. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 9, 17. And this is one of those scriptures that in 2021 is kind of obscure. Well, what's he saying? What's he saying? This is how Jesus described talking about repentance. Never take off the old. You know, try to do that. Uh, before you never put, t- try to put on the new before you take off the old. It's this. 
Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. Well, that's kind of obscure in 2021. So back then, when you poured wine into wineskins, the skin of a goat, it would be in the sun and the wine would ferment and the skin would stretch and harden. And then after that process, you could pour the wine in, into the jugs or wine in, into your goblets and then the wine was ready and could be used. But if you took new wine and poured it into an old, already hardened, stretched wineskin, when the wine started to ferment, it would burst that old wineskin and you lose the precious wine. It would be lost. And Jesus, he's saying, he used that picture right there, you can't take this new life and try to superimpose it on your old life. We have to renounce the old life. That's what it means to repent. I renounce the old life. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're saying, Jesus, I want You. I want Your life. I want to live life God's way. I'm done with my old life. I want You and all that You have for me. Hallelujah. I want You. I want You, Jesus. I want the life that You have for me. That's what He says to us. So change takes place when we say our old sinful nature as dead. As dead. So this is what Jesus talks about. We've got to die. Come and die. Colossians 3.3, 3, Paul wrote, your old sinful nature has died and your new life is kept with Christ in God. Hang on to that. Kept with Christ in God. In Romans 6.11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. So, it tells us the old man is dead and gone. And we have to look at our old life that way. Dead, buried, and gone. And this is why water baptism is so important. It's the perfect picture. You can accept Christ. That's your personal decision. You could do that here on a Sunday morning. You could do that in your living room. You could do that in your car. You could do that in the great outdoors. But the thing is, there's something about when you go public with your faith, you are identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you are telling the devil, I'm not going to keep this hidden. I'm not going to keep this private. I'm going public. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. I want, he said, I could have abundant life in him. I'm going after that kind of life. And I'm going to tell everybody, I'm dead, and now I'm alive to Jesus Christ. Amen? Water baptism, July 4th. If you haven't been baptized in water, if you as a believer now, you want to live for Jesus, join us this day. We're, we're going to do it old school. We're going to go outside, both churches together, and, and we're going to have a water baptism party right here, Sunday afternoon, July 4th. So it's going to be a great thing. He tells us that this old person is dead and gone, and our new life is kept with Christ in God. So here's the picture. Kept with Christ in God. Your salvation is very important. Priceless. Costly. Costly. So here's the picture. Precious jewelry in a jewelry box. And then it's locked in that box, safe and secure. And then you put that jewelry box in a secure safe. Then you take that safe and you put that safe in a huge armored truck. And then you drive that truck into a huge vault. 
And that vault is in the middle of Fort Knox, locked up. This is your priceless salvation, your life in Jesus Christ. And change takes place when we see ourselves as alive to God. And I want to say this, you need to see it. I was saying this a few months ago before you see it. You need to see it before you see it. In all areas of your life that you're alive to God. In your emotions, in your relationships, in your temptations, in your finances, in your opportunities, in your marriage, your family. So how do we handle all these? We're alive to God, dead to sin. We must see ourselves in a new way before we can live in a new way. Before our behavior changes. You have to see who you are in Christ before you become who you are in Jesus Christ. See it before you see it. And too often we're stuck in this world, we say, I'll believe it when I see it. And if that's where you're at, you're never going to see it. But if I begin to believe Jesus and what He says about me, the first three chapters of Ephesians 3, Paul says, this is who you are in Jesus Christ. And if I begin to see my position in Christ and believe I can trust the Word of God, I will begin to see change in my life. Hallelujah. i got to see it before I see it. But change won't happen until you believe it. Until you believe what Jesus says about you. Who He has made you to be. Count yourself as dead to sin and alive to God. And then Jesus gives us the power to be a new person. Woo, we have a helper. Tell your neighbor, we have a helper. I can't do this on my own. I found that out, man. That 15 minutes went fast. Then I started messing up a little bit. Colossians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Here's, here's where the helper comes in. He's talking about this in chapter 4, and then he really says it in 2 Corinthians. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. And so, Jesus gives us three helpers. He does. Number one, God's grace. That's a good thing, isn't it? God's grace. God's grace. Giving us what we don't deserve. Forgiveness, new life, joy, peace, favor, blessing, grace. Grace is also a powerful word, a power word. By grace, I'm able to do this. By grace, I can do this. By the grace of God. Grace. What a helper. We have grace. Then God's love is unconditional, sacrificial, powerful, never-ending love. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's going to love you when you don't love yourself. Amen? How many's ever been there before? Yeah. He's going to keep loving you. And then he says the communion of the Holy Spirit. There's that Greek word koinonia. Yes, it means fellowship. So we're getting a picture. We have communion with the Holy Spirit, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. What that means is partnership. I have a partner in this life who's helping me be all that God is calling me to be. I'm not doing this in my own strength, in my own power. And Jesus showed us this when He was on planet Earth because He accomplished the assignment God gave Him and He showed us what it's like to live this life as He was in the flesh. He was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus Christ was dependent upon the Holy Spirit to accomplish and finish His mission, how much more do we need to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit if we're going to complete our assignment here on planet Earth? Somebody say yes, amen to that. Amen? Amen. So, how to invite God's change into your life? The last point, I'm wrapping it up. We don't give 
the devil a place in our life whatsoever. Don't give the devil a place in your life whatsoever. Let's look at verse 26 through 32. Let's look at that. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. It says a whole lot right there. How many's ever put off the old and it comes back a little bit? We've done that too many times. So the Greek word for place is tapos, which tells us this. Tells us as believers. Believe, how many believers do we have here? You're new in Christ. You're saved. You're born again. Come on. We're all in this together. We're in the same boat. It tells us as believers, we can actually give ground. Areas of our life. Now hang with me, because it sounds like you know it's true, but it sounds like this can't be true. We can give areas of our life to satanic control. Well, what's that called? Footholds, strongholds, oppression. Paul talks about that. You can't be possessed. You're born again. You're a man and woman of God. Jesus Christ lives in you. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the church of God. Amen? But there are things in our life that happened, that we allow to happen, we open the door to the enemy through disobedience to God. This is how it happens. Some key phrases. When we allow anger to remain in our life, we give the devil a foothold. We give him a place in our life. I'm going to kind of break that down a little bit more as we wrap up. But there was a comedian years ago who said, don't go to bed angry. Stay up all night and fight about it. Yeah. The word wrath. You know, many times we've been angry and we want to sound spiritual. But I'm angry and I'm not sinning. Well, probably we are. There's one who's very good at that and his name is God. But most of the time when I've been angry, I, I, I've been sinning along with that. I've tried to justify myself, but that probably isn't true. The word wrath, the Greek word is a compound word. And the first part is para. That means alongside. Is this, it says something that is very close to you. The second part depicts someone so upset with an issue. They're completely bent out of shape. A person who brings anger continually close to his side and then embraces anger and holds on to anger and doesn't let go of anger. This is their MO continually. Anger, 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 holding on to anger. And when we do that, we give the devil a place in our life, a stronghold in our life. And then there's the word devil, Greek diabolos, compound word dia, which means through, as in penetrating something 
all the way through Mbalos, which means to throw. It's a picture of the devil because he is always slinging his arrows and slinging his arrows or throwing his spears. And where does he throw them? To our minds where we have guilt, shame, regret. Throwing to our minds where we are trying to be separated from God and separated from one another, hurting our relationships with these destroying insinuations. And the devil will do this, I'm sure you've noticed this, when it's most advantageous when you are tired and you're weary in life, with stress, with schedules. Maybe when it's time, you're getting ready for bed. How many's noticed you can even have some bad dreams? I'm not saying every bad dream's of the devil, but uh, he can do some stuff to you. He can mess with your mind. Neither give place. That's a region. That's a zone, territory. It can be a geographical regions, regions or positions. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare in a few weeks. Paul gets into that in this book. But the devil is after every region of your life. Our marriages, our families, our health, our money, our business, our ministries. He's so territorial. The devil wants it all. Come on, he wants everything. So he looks at points of entry. How can he get in and begin his campaign of destruction? That's one of the big reasons. We see people, you may have seen yourself here, but we can't help but notice, you've seen people who have accepted Christ as their Savior and they go to church, but there's a lot of old lifestyle in their life and not very much Jesus' lifestyle in their life. How many's noticed that before? Let's be honest. What's up? I thought they go to church. I, what's up? I thought they knew Jesus. Well, the reason that is, that takes place, big reason is, the enemy wants entrance. And you see that inconsistent life. They're living like their old nature. We throw... We throw the door open to the devil. Why does this take place? And here's where we're going to wrap up. We throw the door open to the devil. Why does it look like our old nature, not our new nature? We've accepted Christ. We're going to church. We throw the door open to the devil in our life when we refuse to let go of anger. When we refuse to let go of offense. When we refuse to let go of old hurts and old wounds. When we refuse to admit we were wrong. When we refuse to apologize. When we refuse to forgive. When we refuse to obey God and His Word which you read and I read and you hear teachings and preachings. Whatever area of life it may be. When you refuse and I refuse to obey God and His Word. When we... We don't use this one too much. When we gossip. This is dead decaying, stinking, destructive communication. When we do any of these things, and you can probably add to that list, we leave the door open for the devil 
to move right in and to begin his accusations and three and sling his arrows and penetrate our minds and our thought processes. And what we need to do is we can say no to the devil this morning. I have a helper. I have a partner. I have power. It's time to slam the door in the devil's face and say enough is enough. I'm a new man. I'm a new woman in Christ. I'm living a new life today. It's over, hallelujah. The new has begun. Stand with me if you would. See, the devil's objective is to separate you from God and we can separate from each other. Here's the last verse, verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. How many thought about that one before? Do not bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. Here's the picture. In the picture, the word is of a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, that are committed in marriage and love each other. And the one spouse has been unfaithful to the other spouse. And when the other spouse finds out what happens, there's hurt, there's pain, there's wound, there's sorrow, there's grief between two people who love each other. What God's showing us here is when I act like my old nature, my old life, when I get into the flesh, when I behave, and when I react that way, that is unchristlike, it brings sorrow to the Holy Spirit because He lives in me. I am the temple of God. And He is wounded. And he grieves. He says, I, 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 I've got something better for you. I've got a better option for you. I've got a better way for you. You don't have to live that way. He's hurt. So here's the action step this morning. And let's take it together. Because I'm talking about your life changing and my life changing. Can you imagine the synergy if we all change? And we're all in the process of change. You're not going to be perfect. Just tell your neighbor that. You're not going to be perfect. But I can be Christ-like in this life. Amen? I can be Christ-like in this life. So here's the action step. With the help of the Holy Spirit, working in me, I'm putting off the old. I'm just going to put on the new. And I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm just going to live for Jesus. Let's just pray for a minute here this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, and you're here saying, I really need to know this Jesus. I really want to see His change take place in my life. I want to start that today. Raise your hand with me right now. You can be a son of God. You can be a daughter of the Lord. You can come into the family of God. That change can begin right now from this day forward. Maybe you're here and we have to do this from time to time, but you're in the family of God, but you recognize there's some things that's gotten in there, and maybe it's time you begin to clean out your closet and put these things off and put some new things on. Maybe that's where you're at today. Let's see the Lord do that this morning. We're going to close in song, and we're going to pray. If you need prayer after the service, we'll be right here. We'll pray with you. Praise God.